Hello, friends. Welcome to Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I'm so glad you could join the party. Um, For all of you repeat listeners, you guys are rad. I'm so happy you're here as well. This episode is brought to you by my company, Imposed Will. Go over to imposedwill.com and check us out. We just launched our full apparel line. Also, while you're there, sign up for the email list. That way you can stay up to date on everything that's happening, and you will be the first to know when we drop anything new. And then also we'll probably send out some uh, some discount codes and different things, so you will be the ones to get that information. We are also brought to you by my good friends over at Jumbo Superfoods. You can go to jumbocbd.com today and check out their full line of products. If you are in California, you can actually go over to a dispensary and you can check out their THC products. If they don't carry them, then you need to ask for them. I know I have a number of listeners in California, so definitely go check out their THC products. But for the rest of us, CBD is the way to go, so cannabidol. One of many compounds found in the cannabis plants, one of the cannabinoids found in the cannabis plant to be specific. It's been shown to aid with many different things. I personally use uh, the CBD muscle bomb from Jumbo because there are those anti-inflammatory properties as well as the pain relief properties of CBD with that. Um, it's also helping people sleep, which is why I love to use their uh the CBD drops before bed because it does help relax my central nervous system and it helps me sleep better. Um, Just there are a ton of benefits. So go check them out. Go to jombocbd.com. Use the code outside at checkout and you will save 20% off of your entire order. So again, one more time, use the code outside at checkout and you will save 20% off of your entire order. My guest today is Charles Inner Space G, Inner G Johnson. Charles is a professional MMA fighter. He's a former collegiate athlete, and he's just kind of like a you know he's a martial artist. He's a he's like a little philosopher. I fucking I love talking to Charles. We have a lot of good conversations. Um, I actually had his girlfriend on an earlier episode. Brittany Cloudy, um, he actually references references her a couple times in the podcast. Um, that was a great conversation, so go back and check that one out. But uh, on this one, I'm sitting down with Charles, just kind of talking about his journey and everything that's going on, man. Charles is a he's definitely a cool ass dude, so I had a real uh, good time sitting down talking with him. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna stop rambling, guys. Here we go, Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson, let's do this. For sure. Energy. Something like that. How'd you come up with that name? Is it is it like a play on energy? Um, or is it just energy? bro. I'm very... Because uh, you're big on energy. I'm big on... With E. Yeah. Big on all that, man. It's like uh, when I was coming up with a nickname, I was like, man, I don't want nothing generic like... Paul, Smash. You Jones. want the hitman? You know what I'm saying? I, I I was like, man, what's something that encompasses me? Yeah. And energy was a play on words. Right. But it was also, I'm big on key. I'm big on your energy. I'm big on all that Bruce Lee. I'm big on. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Hey, adjust your mic for me a little bit. Just bend it. Yeah. That, that, Does that, that work? That's much better. Catch, oh man. Catch catches your voice better. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I can totally dig. I'm huge on energy, man. I'm I'm all into, you know, the law of attraction and energy yep. and vibrations and like what we're, like what frequency are you operating on? Mm-hmm. And like I'm just um, I I audit the people around me very closely. I don't let too many people around me. Um, and I was just thinking about this. I'm gonna actually probably make a post on this, but man, now's a good that fucking time to talk about it since I've been sitting here ranting for the probably the past hour before we got on the fucking the podcast. But like, dude. People need to fucking take audit of who they have around them. And one type of person that you don't want around you is that fucking person who is always talking about what they're going to do when they win the lottery. When I win the lottery. I'm going to. 
this is how I'm going to spend the money. Oh, man, it's going to be so good. They, they start yeah. spending this imaginary money that they don't have. And those type of people are cancerous because they don't want to work for it. They just want, to, they just want something given to them, I realize. Like that well, type of person who is perpetually there's, – there's, there's, there's a spectrum, right? There's people yeah. who just play just to win. But there's a habitual person. Like if you really talk to them, they're always having this conversation every time there's a big one. In a different form. They're yeah. always talking to you about like, oh, man, whenever – you know, it's only a buck to play. You know, whenever I do this, just, oh, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to set up all these people. And they're just always telling you about all these plans that <laughs> they funny, have with this lotto man. money. And and I, my mom, my mom, that, that's I grew up with a person like this. Like, yeah. that's my mom. And she still does it. I'm like, all right, mom, well, how about we just go out and, like, like work our ass off and just go earn the money? Like, yeah. why are we always trying to, like, bank on this fucking thing that we're, we're going to win? Because then, like, that's the mentality of, like, you're you're waiting for something to happen to you, right? Instead of actually going and doing it yourself. Instead of taking action and going and taking something, you're fucking waiting for something to come to you and nothing comes to you. You have to go fucking grab it. So yeah, for the listeners, like if you have somebody like that, love them from a distance. I'm not saying you have to like kick people out. Unless it's your mom. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. don't, I'm not gonna cut my mom out of my life, yeah. but like you know, it's just like you just have like fewer conversations about certain things. Question like so with your mom it's 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 funny because um I mean our parents are something that's in our life for most people most of our lives or yeah. but even if they aren't it still affects our lives no matter whether you want it to or not your parents and but touching on that like once you get to a certain age you see people are who they are they're just people right your parents and, are just um, people so do you, ex- you it's hard as a as a kid, because I've been in that position with my mom and before, and it's like, do you accept this person for who they are, or do you try to change them, or do you try to influence them, or do you have to accept them who they are? Because you still have so many things pulling at you as an individual to try to get to the things that you're attaining, and you, it's hard trying to balance that and also balance loving your mom when you know, yeah, like well, you said, energy levels and like, yeah. Well, I think the true definition, yeah, I think the true definition of love is just like, is unconventional, like unconditional, unconditional um, acceptance, right? So, I mean, I think if you're showing true love, then you just like love that person, like despite um, like them doing things that, you know, maybe not be in line with like your personal creed. Because like me and my mom live completely different lifestyles. Like Mm -hmm. I, 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 I would love for her to be like take better care of herself and but like she's just who she is especially exactly. our parents like they've been there for a long time so i think you just love them and let them be who they are but just understand that they're people too right and you know what i mean and this is you can you can probably extrapolate this and like apply it to any person in your life like that you care about right just love them we just love them from afar right i mean it's not like when we're kids and we're around our parents every day right you have your life they have their life it's not like they can be as they don't necessarily <laughs> have to be as heavy of an influence as as you're older Oh my I think the um, I I guess I think the greatest gift that our parents can give us, um, if we are willing to grow outside of life, is the ability to, of understanding. Like anyone, but like if we can be people who want to grow. Yeah. Like for me, what I've taken is my ability to. I just I guess I can speak for myself. Is my I'm very understanding. Like I don't know how to explain it more than that. Like I yeah. can try to put myself in anyone's shoes and understand and i have a lot of forgiveness from that you know what i'm saying yeah. so like i can try to understand that this person's position because of my situation because of my life my growing up my parents yeah from from grasshopper all the way up you know what I'm saying? yeah it's important just to have that understanding right just people are just people right i mean mm-hmm. it's not right yeah. or wrong it's just some people are on your vibration and some aren't yeah. so and i just think that um for anybody who really wants to have any certain level of success, um, whatever that means to them, like the type of success like that, you know, that we talk about, um, mm-hmm. like you have to have a certain caliber of person around you and you have to upgrade the people and you always have to be taking audit. So I was just thinking like, you know, the, the type of person that doesn't want to work for something that's just always, you know, hoping and dreaming and just waiting for that big payday. Like that's not the type of person that you want around you because no. they're, they're never going to put in the work, right? Man, dude, it's and the work is what, dude. The work is fucking what makes it. The yeah. work, that's it. You got to put in the work for sure. Yeah, bro. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, like I'm so excited. Like I got so much I want to talk about, but talk we're not gonna it. get it all in today. But that's all right. Um, so what makes you so yeah. understanding? Because that's what you just said. Like you're super understanding of people. Where do you think that comes from? Pain. Pain. What pain is that? I'm big on pain. Like what do you mean? Um, just everybody experiences pain in their life, and it's not like oh, you was you soft, you know. It's just. Um, forms of pain like that yeah. change people that affect them i think pain is the thing that affects people the most i made a post about this a, a few days ago on facebook and um and i was saying you know like pain it creates it, it just creates a domino effect yeah you know and you can choose to handle that this way or that way but the derivative of a lot of things you're gonna do in life probably comes from pain especially as a minority especially as a black man especially as you know like many different reasons but pain and and like i said it starts from when you're a child yeah now it's confrontation my lady my lady can get into it more the psychological psychoanalytical you know i'm saying yeah we talked about Um, that some of the podcasts i think you know she knows all the psychologists and stuff and the ids and all that stuff that goes into that yeah and we have those conversations but um your childhood plays a lot into who you are as an individual yeah but i wonder for how long right like at what point do you have like uh the wherewithal to make better choices just to make other choices to to rewire your brain right because we all have that ability to rewire your brain to mm-hmm. do different things a lot of people do it through like meditation or psychedelics or just just finding a new outlet and a new way to express themselves that's truer to themselves or whatever the, you know, mm-hmm. the case may be so like at what point did people take like self-responsibility and be like you know what i did have a fucked up childhood but i'm gonna do better right yeah huh yeah man so what um you're you're a track star something like that <laughs> what i, I want to know your story because i don't really know it that well like we've had a few conversations at the gym yeah um but like so are you free? i know you're, you're like you're a military brat right i don't know if that's probably the best term uh, for that. not necessarily um yeah no um the, yeah are you free? i guess How, i mean <laughs> i mean were you moving around as a kid or like yeah, both, both your parents are in the military way deeper right? than that no no um my mom is white, my dad's black, and but my mom didn't raise me. She raised me until I was four, and then I went to live with my dad and my stepmom, who actually raised me oh, okay. from the age of four and a half, five, all the way to now. And, um, yeah, my mom's been like, you know, they say Papa is a Rolling Stone. Like, that's my mom. She's oh, yeah. just a free-spirited, you and know, um, yeah, and she's here and there, you know. And so when I was younger, from the time I was born until about four and a half, five years old, I would be anywhere. Like, she'll call my dad and, hey, we're in Ohio. He's like, what are you guys doing in Ohio? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, my mom was just moving a lot, you yeah. know. And um, I was on medication for ADD. I was, um, I can remember many days just sitting on the carpet and reading the Atlas and watching days of our lives bro like really literally i remember vividly you know what i'm saying and, yeah um, it, it's funny she tells a story of when i went to the doctor and i could t- explain to them and spell what precipitation was <laughs> at the age of four yeah because um you know um with that adderall and and with the add medicine if you're up it's, it forces you to focus yeah so you're just in the reading so i'm reading encyclopedias i'm reading Stuff I have no business reading and just soaking all that in, right? And um, I'm at the age where I'm very influenced. Everything's influencing me, right? So, oh, yeah. Um, by the time I came to live with my dad, you know, from being on, having a lot of time on my own because my mom's in and out, you know. and um, I'm spending time with my grandma. When I was with my mom, I was spending time between my grandma's house I love dearly and um my aunts and uncles that I don't know really now um but and this was in Kansas okay so where were you born at I was born in uh Topeka Kansas okay so I know keep, I look keep, away like uh keep that on the DL <laughs> yeah Kansas sucks yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, no offense to anybody in yeah Kansas. but um yeah I did a lot of bouncing around as a kid and it was really rough 
And I didn't have any consistency until I came to live with my dad and my stepmom. That was at the age of four? Four and a half, five. And yeah. um, my mom, uh, she got into some trouble, as she usually did. <laughs> and uh, I, my, she, she called my dad, and my dad, I'm coming to get him. And then from that moment when he came and got me, he had a conversation with my stepmom. My mom, my stepmom was like, yeah, let's go get him. They came and picked me up um, in Kansas, brought me back to St. Louis. I was crying the whole way. Yeah. A mess. And then uh, yeah, that's most, that's this, is, this is where I've been. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's hard to be, like, separated from your mom, for sure. Yeah, like, growing up, I was like, oh, I want to see my dad. I want to be around my dad. I want to see my dad. But then when that moment happens, you're like, oh what's going on you know what i'm saying that you don't you're yeah. a kid yeah well you just know that you want what's not there that's it and so uh i haven't seen my i have been with my dad a few times but i had like i didn't live with my dad so and all i knew was the come and go lifestyle with my mom and staying with my grandma yeah um who by the way was the greatest grandma ever but <laughs> um yeah, man, like that was that was my childhood and I had to grow up fast, you know, when I hit when I came that was I really think when I say pain, like when I came to live with my dad and just that turmoil within a uh, broken home and uh but being allowed that consistency with my stepmom and her giving that yes and that nod, like, yeah, let's go get him hands down. I love her for to death for that because, yeah. you know, like Let's go get him, like, no if, ands, or but about it. Like, get him out of that type of situation, right? Yeah, because you need structure. Yeah, so that structure changed my whole life. I, I have no idea where I would be today if that continued to happen. Yeah. I, I, I can guarantee I wouldn't be who I am right now. Why did I think your parents were in the military? Because my dad's a Marine. Okay. Was a Marine, and my stepmom was a Marine. Okay. Yeah. See, all right. So I knew, I knew it wasn't crazy. Dude. So, um, <laughs> and so like, I was off the chain when I came. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like into everything. I was like used to being independent. I met my older sister, who's a year older than me, and um, like we had battles. She was a lot bigger than me, and we like would go back and forth, competed everything, and then uh. You know, and then I would get in trouble constantly at school, constantly. With, I was too smart for my own good, um, bored with school. At the same time, it's like I was bouncing off the walls because they had me on all that medication, right? Yeah, do the ADD medication. Yeah. Fuck you up. They put, that, they put my little brother on ADD medication when he was in like, I don't know, probably first or second grade or something like that. Yeah. And um, he started like getting these ticks. Like he would like blink all the mm -hmm. time. So then like my grandmother was all over. She's like, you got to get him off of that shit. Yeah. So then yeah, my, then my mom took him off of it. But man, that shit fucks kids up. Yeah. From the moment I came to live with my dad, he was like, no more medicine. We're just going to whoop his ass. Yeah. Like this old fashioned, like if he's, if we're going to work, we're going to work with him like try to understand him at first. But like the sh I was bad. <laughs> yeah. So it's like after a while, I was just like, all right, we just need to get well, firm yeah. firm and structure and my stepmom was like yeah like when you came i couldn't keep you on that medication like they we tried it at first like the very first beginning but then like it was like no like you weren't the same person and it's, it's like no it's so hard on you kids know, man like, no so and the more i've learned that um so they like they just put kids on this medication but a lot of times these kids are usually um, probably not in every case, a lot of these kids are just like sleep deprived. Like mm -hmm. they don't get nearly enough sleep. Like they wake up too early for school. They're staying up too late watching TV. They get a lot yeah. of blue light. Like they're not getting proper rest. And when you don't get enough sleep, it can, it can have like a shorter attention span. Like you can't focus and yeah. like all these different things that are attributed to ADD, which could just be like, maybe you should get your kid like quality sleep. Yeah. Which would come from like not having structure, right? You probably yeah. weren't getting good sleep. And I can remember like for years i would wake up um, i forget forget what it's called um when you wake up and you can't move i don't know what that's sleep called. paralysis like sleep paralysis okay yeah like wake up and like i'm like i'm up but i can't move for years i would that would happen to me what like up I, it's the scariest shit ever yeah. bro. like it's like a out of body but you're in your body and it's just like I feel like I'm yelling like help me, help me, help me, but like I and can't. You're awake. You can't. I can't. I can't move. Like my body's still asleep, my but my brain's active. My eyes are like open, and I'm like, I used to sleep under a cover, or under a pillow. Like I always had to be under something to go to sleep. So when I would wake up and I would be like face down or something, I would be so scared. Yeah. And like that happened to me for years, and 
I think eventually I like it hasn't happened to me for a very long time. Yeah. You know, knock on wood, but it does happen. I think you know, that happened to me the other day actually. Yeah. It's scary as shit, bro. Like yeah. I don't know. It's like um, your mind's awake and you're like you're like, Oh, I'm like you're talking to yourself yeah. like you wanna move but you just can't move. Yeah. Like, are you really even fully like? Is that is that being sleep? Is it is that cognitive? Your your brain's oh, you're is it awake. Fully awake. Your body's just not like your body. Like something something went yeah, to sleep and something like, didn't. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like you're not dreaming. You're here. Like I'm here. Like I'm. But I'm you can't fully talk. aware. Like I remember one time I woke up and my sister was up. She, she was up and moving, and I'm like trying to yell at her, and like I could feel myself start crying down my face because i can't move you know what i'm saying yeah it's scary shit but like some scary shit it's like in those scary dreams whenever like you're (laughs) running and running and running you can't run fast enough yeah it's like why am i running so slow falling oh dude those just wake me up though yeah damn so So that was childhood yeah um and then so like let's dive back into it my sister was super competitive she was the super athlete when we were kids um she was we were just almost the same age. She was a year older, and when I got to high school, I was five two ninety eight pounds, and she was five eight one forty. You're a little dude. Yeah, so like she was always that much bigger than me throughout our whole life. She looks like we we're three years apart, but she's only a year older than me. But like when we were nine years old, when she was nine years old, she won the national championship in the pentathlon. Oh yeah. And track, she was just a natural athlete, naturally good at everything that she did she picked up the basketball she was a lefty yeah you know she was naturally good at everything so growing up my sister was like the athlete and i was just little cj right yeah and i was not to say i wasn't trying my butt off and everything that i did i was doing team sports small but i ran track for years but i didn't really hit my my stride until i was about 11 years old when i had the ability in track, you can't run anything over 800 meters until you're like eight, nine, right? So then you can run the 1500 meters at the age of like nine, ten, right? Which is three laps and 300 meters. Okay. So three laps and three quarters. And um, I told my dad, I was like, put me in the 1500. I knew I couldn't sprint with those dudes. I would try, but I never got hired in fourth place in a race. And I would go to every practice, work my butt off. And, you know, the first time I ran the 1500, I got a medal. For real? And I was like. So long distance. My dad was like, we found your race. Yeah. I mean, your body's built for it. And, man, like, I was always smaller than everyone. But, like, when I was 19 years old, the main guy that I ran against, he was almost six feet tall. He ran for a Kirkwood track club. I can't remember his name. But this dude was super tall. And I ran against this other guy named Tyler Brock, very well known track athlete and he was super tall as well and like I, these are the dudes i was competing with and i would be on their hips like half their size almost you know but yeah. like when it got to those 1500 meter races nobody like i knew that i figured out that if i just keep working hard and i keep putting in the time keep running keep running eventually i those times keep dropping i learned how to pace myself and i just me versus the clock yeah. You know? So did you like when you got to high school? Were, like, did your coach like work with you on like your running form and different things like that? Or that's did, did all you... my dad. My dad coached me from the time I was younger. So my dad walked in a room one day. Me and my sister, we were six, seven years old. He was like, "You guys want to do track?" He was like, "Yeah, what's track?" You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the next week we were out in U City, um, at their little wreck, um, at Heeman Park, and. uh Started running there, and then we started off practicing at Washu's track, and then we moved over to UCD High School when they redid the track there when mm-hmm. it was uh, probably 15 years ago. And, um, you know, I just it, – it, it's been a long transition with track. Like, track didn't naturally come to me like it did my sister. But by the time I finished, I was a two-time national champion and, and runner-up in the steeplechase. And I found my races, and I figured out how to – yeah, you know, work through everything. That's legit. But my dad worked on me constantly because I was smaller than everyone. He was, open your stride. This is the mark you need to hit. And yeah. he had to become more knowledgeable. He ran track. He went to Huron and he and he ran in um the Marines and everything. And he talks tells us my dad has a story for everything. He grew up in uh the DMV area, DC, Maryland, Virginia. Um, he went to T.C. William High School, which is remember the Titans. Oh, for real. And um, and he wasn't there during the time of that film, but same 
you know he yeah. can tell you stories and he has a story for everything so like um when we started running track he had some knowledge of track but not as much as he has now like now he has a wealth of it he has all types of well yeah i mean just decades of just man like, like know, plus studying. when he does it he's all in right so he's that's one thing i can get from him like he's all in with that coaching and he yeah taught me how to be a better coach taught me how to be a better athlete yeah you know from watching him yeah well whatever the endeavor you know what i mean just you have to go all in essentially you know what i mean especially in a competitive space because if you're not then there are people who will and you will lose yep Yep, yep. Did so, you win state or anything in, in high school? Never won. Well, we we won as a team, but yeah. I never won as an individual. Oh yeah. Um, I won conference almost every year in the mile and two mile from my sophomore through my senior year, and then districts and sectionals. I would always place very high. Um, high school track was always harder for me for some reason. I guess because people were older, and it was harder than summer track because you run against people your age, you hmm. know. And then high school track, you're running against people two, three years older than you. Um, and then my senior year of high school, I was I ran cross country, and I played football at the same time. And we won state in football that year as well. Mike Jones was our head coach at Hazelwood East in 2009. And I ran cross country, so I would literally get out of high school, out of class, 245, go run four and a half, five miles, come back. It's around 415 throw my practice stuff for football, be at the football field by 4.20, practice there until 5.30, 6 o'clock, go home, go to track practice out at U-City. Damn, dude. <laughs> that was that was literally Yeah, I always wondered how, how kids do two sports in the same season. Yeah. Like, it almost doesn't even make sense. Like, I, there was no way playing football in Jefferson City, like, whenever I was in high school, we could have done another sport. Like just there's it wouldn't have worked. Like you had no time. You have to be a special athlete, and you have to. It worked because cross country is such an individual sport. Yeah, and it's it's it, it it's an individual sport. So I could get my miles in, and I can make it to time and practicing time. And I had something worked out with the coaches where, as long as I got there by that time, I'm there by individual drills, team practice. Because the beginning practice was usually like individual drills, warms up, warm ups for football. Which, and I'm running, so like I don't need to do that, right? Yeah, there's so, no like, way my football. By the time I get there, so by the time I get there, when we Hazelwood East is very well known, like we have a lot of people going to the NFL. It's yeah. like very rich football program, and um, at that time I knew the coaches and. They were comfortable. I wasn't a starter or, or even second string. I was, like, third string. We had a very good football team. Like yeah. I said, we won state. But um, I was competitive, and I knew, mm-hmm. understood football from being around my dad all my life. So yeah. they, they allowed Dude, it. kids do it all the time, and yeah. there are a lot of different programs. I just know, like, the program I grew up in, which it wasn't the best fucking program. They, they almost took it. They would almost hinder kids' future success just because they were so worried about, like, today, if that makes sense. Like, they didn't care if kids really went to college. Like, they had me playing, like, whenever I was in high school, like, center. Like, and like, I played every position on the on the offensive line. And, like, they, I was a linebacker, and they moved me to, like, D end at one Because they, whatever they needed, they didn't care about me. They didn't care about my potential, like, going mm-hmm. to college or doing anything like that. They yeah. only cared about them and their program. Okay. In which that head coach ended up getting fired, and they brought in a head coach who actually cares about their students. Right. Yeah, so... Yeah, man. So whenever I like, I hear of because there are a lot of kids who do that. Like they'll play, um, I don't know, fucking they'll play like uh, like like baseball and track in the same. Yeah, in the same it's season. very hard to do that one because people get hurt playing baseball often. Well, I just, I mean, just for I just think about going all in on a sport. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how I would have the time to do both. Yeah, it's it's very. I mean, like football is seven days a week. Yeah, it's like literally like, but cross country is just getting your mileage in. Yeah. So no. if you can, if you're doing if your body can handle like it, if yeah. your body can handle it, I was I only did it for cross country season because my sophomore year I swam and did cross country at the same time. Yeah. So I would go, I would uh, run and then I would go to swimming practice. Yeah. And that was very helpful with my development, with my lungs and my breathing, and taught me how to breathe and how it got stronger. Really, one hundred percent, man. You know, and um, the load is definitely doable. Yeah, it's it's it only works with certain things though. Like I, I would never be able to do another sport and wrestle. Right. Yeah, I was like, just thinking that. Like during yeah. the winter season, it's there's basketball no and wrestling. There's no choose one. Yeah, and I played basketball all the way up to seventh grade and eighth grade. But when I got to eighth grade, I tried out wrestling, 
And I was like, oh, this individual sport, I can rock with this. And then when I got to high school, I was like, I'm playing varsity every sport. And it was like, you got to play freshman basketball. Nope, I'm going to wrestle. And I was on wrestling, I was on varsity by the time the middle of the season hit. Nice. You know? So you wrestled all through high school? Yeah, I made it to state every year except for my freshman year. I missed it by one match, and I played one year my senior year. That's legit. Yeah, so I, was, I, I loved my wrestling journey. I'm very proud of myself for what I was able to accomplish. My wrestling state, I was super proud of myself for getting fifth because I wrestled two state champions at state, lost them on points, and yeah. I beat the guy that I lost to at sectionals for oh, yeah. my medal. So I was like, yeah, I got fifth, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like I'm proud of my. my you got on the podium, dude. Yeah. Some some kids don't even make it. A lot don't. Yeah, yeah. I have a problem with um, like downplaying shit or like like we were talking earlier, like expecting to win. Like, and I don't like celebrate victories or anything like that. Like, I I've just always expected to do well. Mm. So like, I was really mad at myself. Like, I took third my senior year. Like, I was expecting to be in the finals. Like, I was ranked number two. Deron Wynn was like, like ranked number Deron one. Win, yeah. yeah, fucking. I remember him. Just one of the best wrestlers like in the in the yeah. nation. Who was he? Liberty. Yeah, he went to Liberty yeah. at that time. And yep, then I remember. He, he fights in the UFC now. Yep, he's, he she trains in Arizona at AK. But. uh yeah, dude, but I was just like, ah, oh, man, like, a lot of people would be very happy with third, and I'm just like, I am I still, I'm just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, like, even then, like, whenever I was in high school, I thought about it, like, how many kids would be happy just, like, going to state, and, yeah. like, that was a given. Like, there was no issue, like, yeah, of course, I'm going to state. Like, I pinned my way through finals, like, through yeah. districts. Everybody got pinned in the first period. Yeah. Like, of course I'm going to state. Like, that was my mindset. Yeah. So it's like... It's a different mindset when you've been wrestling a lot of your life. How long did you wrestle? I started as a freshman. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you were pretty special then. You know? I mean, like, not special yeah, enough. I mean, <laughs> I didn't win still, that like, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, dude, so it's just like... Um, yeah, I don't know. I always just have like this this mentality of like yeah. expecting to do well. Yeah, and this is and conversation and because I of that. I downplay shit. This is <laughs> it's funny because me and um, Brittany Cloudy have had this conversation: unrealistic expectations that we kind of, when we are very competitive, we put higher expectations than are realistic. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's a good thing, but sometimes it's not. You know, in context, right? You you almost have to though, right? You have to have like unreasonable goals because if you don't, you're just going to be mediocre, right? Yes. I mean, if you don't have unreasonable goals, if you're not talking to people about your goals and they're just like, okay, like like they're almost laughing at you or like they don't think you can do it, like then what the fuck are you doing? Like I have I have a hard time talking to people about what I'm doing and the things that I'm doing or like what i have planned because it's like they just you start talking to them and they almost get like glossy eyed because you can just see like they don't fucking know like and they can't see it and they don't believe it yeah like when i started this podcast like there's a big difference now with the response that i get with people coming on the podcast like because in the beginning when i had like no episodes it's yep. like it's like i'm just like i'm reaching out and i'm talking to people hey, anybody like, come doing. on let's yeah go. right and yeah. it's like it, it, it's like well i knew who like i wanted to talk to it still was like it wasn't like just anybody but it was like it was it was harder to get those yeses but now like i sit down with people it's like yo dude like i just like this is episode 76 like yes like i'm i'm almost to 100 now like i'm not even a year in so it's just like talking about consistency like i'm serious and people see that right and then Mm -hmm. um like yeah i don't know people come back around right i mean there's definitely people who have like reached out like i like i've invited before and like they'll reach out like way later it's like yeah man like Consistency. I'm doing my damn thing. Yep. (laughs) But you're consistent. When people see consistency, they want to be attached to... People have a yearning to attach to people who... (laughs) um, Consistency carries a lot of things, man. Yeah, you have to It's a lot of power in it, and it's a lot of power in, like, being about what you say you're going to do. And people want to be around someone who is being successful and yeah and when people see success they want to attach to it even if they are not in a position to be attached to it yeah and so you'll see people who initially who and and it's the inconsistent people who will say no i'm good because they know what they are but once you start getting some success then they want to be attached to that success so you'll see them say hey when are you free again and yeah but it's like yeah dude i mean consistency is key like you have to have that but the funny thing is like it's like success like 
I mean, that can be anything for anybody, but like, um, it's all, it's like this perceived thing, right? Like people view you as successful. Like, even though like you may not view yourself as successful, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like <sighs> people would say that you're successful. Yeah. Right. But I am not. But you, <laughs> I people would say that I'm successful, but me because of my expectation. Yeah. My ego and my expectation and my hubris, I would see. I'm not. As, I'm not. I'm not anywhere near no. successful. Well, like you know? when, like you probably get it all the time, right? When people talk about fighting, like, oh, dude, congratulations, like, or like they talk about like how awesome you're doing or different things like that. But it's just like, bro, like I'm not even like anywhere like where I'm trying to be at. But like, cause to, you're in it. But to them, like you're just so successful. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, bro, like I still like I even talk to people about like fighting now, and like, well, I don't talk to them about, but like I'll say like, yeah, I used to fight or whatnot, and like. Yeah, like it can be like a big deal for some, like for some people, like just the fact that you fought, or like for some other people, it's like, oh yeah, like you fought on Bellator, or like, oh yeah, like you fought in the UFC. But it's like, all right, well, <clears throat> I never reached my goals, so like I never feel successful. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. But at one, what point do we realign our goals? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what point do we realign our vision? No, Bella. Yeah, dude. And also, it's like, what, what level, like, what. And success is so relative. It is what it is. You, she doesn't need to go out. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, real. It, it's it's all relative, right? Because success can be anything. But um, I think to average people that like they have very they have very low standards of success, right? And then like whenever you're trying to be at that next level, like then you have a whole different level of success, yeah. right? And if you want to reach that next level, like that's where the consistency comes in, right? Yeah. Like that's where your circle comes in. Like that's where all these standards <coughs> come in. When you're in it, when you're really in, in, and I call it your zen, when you're really in it, your energy, yeah. right? You, when you're really in it and you're yeah. in that, then you have no like – filter for mediocrity you have no filter for bullshit yeah like when it's around you you really want to you detach from it it makes you frustrated it gets you 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 can feel that like me i'm i don't know i'm i'm i don't know i'm 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 introverted you know Mm -hmm. but in a way i'm extroverted like i can have a conversation with anyone you know but (laughs) she's silly yeah, for the listeners, my girlfriend's dog here. Can't help you. I can't help you. I'm listening. But you, but you know, introverted. Yeah, oh. man. Like in a in a way, like I, I, my favorite, one of my favorite people on the earth is my dog. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, like I just like, I like real shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I, I, if you're not coming off as, if it doesn't come off as real and honest and like I can feel that, I can feel it. Like, yeah. Uh, like, do you think that um, that's just like a part of? It's like that. It's like that. Um, it's like the journey of greatness. It's like it's a fucking like you have to do it with people, but it's a very lonely journey. You know what I'm saying? Like it can be. It's like it's like that Ronin journey. Mm-hmm. Fucking, there's a lot of lonely nights. Like you know what I mean? Like average people like they're they're going out on the weekends they're going out at night and they're drinking but it's like the person who's striving for more like they're at home by themselves like reading or working or like i spend a lot of time by myself (laughs) when when you're a college athlete and i was a division one athlete and like you have many nights like that like you can go out or you can think about like let me get some rest because i'm getting up at 4 30 in the morning and run 11 miles yeah, you say you're a two-time national champion. Yeah, dude, that's intense. Yeah. Fucking, there. That was in junior Olympics. That was pre-college. Okay. Right. Oh. In college, in college, I, I, I mean, I got on the school record board for the steeplechase at in the Division One school. That's at SEMO, Southeast Missouri. But um, yeah, and I and I, that was my biggest accomplishment because I had been out of school for a year. And then I got back into school. I like I didn't run for a whole year. And oh, I got yeah? back into school for two years, and that was like huge for me. That's the time, around the time I met um, Brittany Cloudy, and uh, it just like changed a lot. A lot of things changed for me 
Um, yeah. Why did you take? Why were you off for a year? It's a long story. Oh, what's what we're here for? Yeah. <laughs> well, when I when I graduated high school, I went to a HBCU. I was big on like I want to go to a historically black college. That's what HBCU stands for. Okay. Historically black college and university. And um, where'd you go? I went to University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. Who did not have a track? Why didn't you go like and, Lincoln? Because um, I didn't want to be in St. Louis anymore. Like it's I've Jeff been, City. I've been trying to get away from St. Louis and this and this Midwest Missouri. for a long time. I get it. And like I was like, man, I just want to get as far away as possible that can take me. And you then went to Arkansas. They they. <laughs> Negro, I would have went. I, <laughs> I went to, to Arkansas Pine Bluff, but you know what's great? City Little Rock, Arkansas, was about forty-five minutes away. That place sucks, but it was cool though, just because <laughs> it wasn't here, you know, for me at the time. I get so, it. Like, I don't know, man. Um, they offered me a full scholarship in cross country and track. The guy came out to one of my meets in high school, and uh, Coach Curtis Pittman, um, he was the head coach at the time, and um. He recruited predominantly Africans, Nigerians, Europe, um, Ethiopians. My teammates like were, real Africans. My teammates were Ethiopian, Ugandan, and Nigerian. Like literally, I had one American teammate. For real? Yes. And you and his name was Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> army Army kid. He was there. For, he ran in the ROTC, so he he wasn't really an athlete, but he came out. He worked his butt off, right? Yeah. Uh, respect the mess out of him. And, um, but like, uh, yeah, my, my, that, that guy came, he saw me at a conference cross country meet. He said, yeah, man, I want to give you a full scholarship to University of Arkansas Applied Bluff. It was huge for me. Like to be as successful as I was in amateurs and junior Olympics and everything, I didn't get many, I got a lot of letters, but I didn't get many full, full ride scholarships. And that was a big thing coming out of my household. Like yeah. you don't really have the money to pay for school and, you don't want to get in debt, and so don't. let's full scholarship. We've been doing this for how long, and you you do achieved all this stuff for what? So your school can be paid for. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll go here, and so I went to UAPB. Um, we didn't have an outdoor track. We ran during the winter time on the basketball court. Rough, and yeah, that um, sucks. we would go to the high school track, which kind of ate up at the time. The high school that we ran at, and he would take us out to the golf course during cross country season, which was fine. That was good on our feet uh, and everything. But it was it was it was tough. But you made what you could out of it, and which I did. We ran around a fisheries. We ran. Yeah. It was cool. It was an agricultural school. Yeah. So um, it was it was cool in a way. It was different. It yeah. Was, so you were for a year. I was there for two years. Two years. Um, the first year I got all conference. I got seventh at the conference meet. I got all conference as a freshman, which hadn't been done. Um and we won and it seems like everywhere I go when championships right we won cross country we won the team title which hadn't happened in years at that school like over twenty years so or ever I don't know so um yeah that was big and then um so after my freshman year my freshman year I take biological science twice and fail it it was worth three credit hours oh I come back home to St Louis. I run through the summer, work my butt off. I'm in excellent shape. I'm feeling amazing, better than I ever have, running more miles than I ever have every day. I get back. I could have, my mom worked for Harris Stowe for almost for 20 years, 19 years. So I could have took a uh, course at uh, just a summer school class at Harris Stowe for no money, like just because my mom worked there. She worked in career services. I didn't. I just came home. I ran. I didn't think anything of school. I yeah. get back to school. It's the first week, and my coach says, Charles, do you know what's going on with, with your with your credits or whatever thing? You, uh, you're you're, um, you you're telling eligible? me that you're not eligible. Um. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? Well, you need to go over to, uh, to the athletic office to find out what's going on. First week of practice. Man. I, like, when I heard, found out that I could not run, that was like one of the biggest, most disappointing things ever for me because I was like, man, I, I just felt like I let down everyone, like the world, you know, it's like everybody expects so much of me, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. Uh, so I lost my scholarship, I lost it, and uh, I was staying in a, a dorm at the time, I had to switch over my dorms, Um, I had to get a job just to pay for school, finish up, because losing my scholarship, I lost everything. Why don't like, you just leave? You know? And, um, Cause in my mind, 
I'll pass these classes, take these credits, and pull out some loans, and next semester I'll be eligible for track season. So it didn't work out that way. I was still short going into second semester, so I stayed. I have friends that I hung out with every day from my freshman year, a core group of friends that I hung out with every day. And um, none of them did athletics or anything. It was just people that I met when I was there when I was a freshman, and then, like, we clicked, and we were this close, tight-knit group. And, uh, yeah, man, that was extremely disappointing. So when I came back home, after my sophomore year, I worked at J.C. Penney for my whole sophomore year just to pay off school, try not to be in debt yeah. too much. And I paid for all my classes. I paid for everything. I, I left with a 3.8. Yeah. And I came back home, and I was like, all right, now I can control my destiny. And I took another class at Harris Stowe. And the the plan was to get back into school that fall. I ended up not doing that. Ended yeah. up working at Walmart, trying to save up money. Yeah, further. plans never work out. Yeah, save money f- further. And this is when I started fighting. Yeah, this is 2011, and um, never fought a day in my life. Had a fight, but never fought a day in my life. I just had wrestling in my lungs. Yeah, from all those years of running. And uh, Kim Porter was like, "Bro, you in town? Like, just come over here. I need. I mean, you know how to wrestle. I need somebody to work out with." Yeah, because he's bouncing around. So we we go to his mom's basement. <laughs> <laughs> he's got mats down there. He's got a bag. He, and he's got these old. He's probably damn near pro messed at up this gloves. Time, or was yeah. pro. He has like 30, 40 fights as an amateur, right? Yeah. And he was like, come on, man. Like, just uh, put these on and, like, I'm going to show you some stuff. And he, like, he shows me a triangle. He shows me an arm bar. And uh, after two weeks of us training together, him showing me basic combination. I don't know how to throw my left hand for anything. I'm standing southpaw, trying to punch people with my right and going straight to faster. a takedown. Yeah. Right? Um, after two weeks, he's like, hey, I'm going up to Blue Corner with Ben Nogueira. Um, he needs a – it's a fight open. This guy just dropped out at 125. You you want to fight this kid named Cody Trevino? Where's that show at? Is that in Kansas uh, that's City? That's Blue Corner. That's Kansas City. Yeah, okay. the Harris. And uh, so I'm 20 years old, and – uh I'm like, yeah, man, fuck it, shit. I, let me let me ask my dad. Hold on, let me let me talk to my dad about this a little bit. Uh, let me think about it. Like, give me an hour. I call him back twenty minutes later. I'm like, yeah, dude, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like you, I I got faith in you, man. How nervous I, were you, dude? I wasn't nervous until it was time to fight. Oh yeah. You know, but after I started fighting, I wasn't nervous it goes anymore. Away. But um, he uh. He was like, yeah, man, he's just the number seven ranked dude over there. You don't have to take it if you don't want to. He's kind of been fighting for a little bit. He's like 4-0. and And I was like, This was just care. boxing? No, it was a MMA, MMA fight. MMA. Like, MMA fight. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care, man. Let's let's do it. We go in there. I take dude down in the first round early. He, he hits me in my eye one good time. I'm like, fuck that. Take him down immediately. I throw a right hand as hard as I can and go straight to a takedown. Take him down. I ground and pound this dude, no lie, for a minute and a half. The ref is Bobby Volker. He ref my first fight. Oh, for real? Bobby Volker. <laughs> this is Bobby Volker, who just won the title for Shamrock. Yeah. And, uh, got a lot of brain damage. Yeah, in the man. Uh, he's, he's refing the fight. And, uh, Easy. I mean, he lets it go. I'm like not hitting the dude enough. <laughs> I'm not hitting the dude enough. Shocker, Bobby. I'm not, I'm not hitting the dude enough. My arms get tired, but I'm just like on top of him, hitting him. And I'm in a position where like, I've never been in a fight and thrown as many punches a day in my life. So you don't think it should have been stopped? <laughs> nah, I wouldn't hit him harder. I'm like, I wouldn't hit him hard. Like and he it was, wasn't he was enough. Good. He was still just like this, oh, okay. but it was just a a controlling position where he couldn't. He didn't uh, know any wrestling. Yeah, you gassed up. And out. he was on his back. So yeah. he couldn't do anything. I was yeah. just full mount. He had no jujitsu or anything. After that first round, I'm like, all right. KP's like, man, that's a good round, man. You did good. Like, like you, this dude got nothing on you. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> then we go out second round, do the same thing. Third round, same thing. I win that fight. You know, decision. I've been stuck with it ever since. Like, I was just hooked, man. I was like, I can dig it's it. nothing like it, you yeah, know? It's, it's a good nothing like it, man. I, it was amazing. So What are those, three-minute rounds? It was two minutes. I think it's two minutes as amateur. Uh, three two minute rounds. Oh, it might be three minutes. No, it's three threes. Three threes. So like, I had never fought that long in my life. I was so tired. I was like, man, I don't even get tired. I was throwing boxes at Walmart at that time and running still. Yeah. And I was like, man, I was so tired. I, I was strong. I was tired. It's exhausting, dude. Never got that tired in my life. And I was like, I was hooked. I don't like getting that tired. 
<laughs> I don't like it. If something could push me though, like that's how I am. Like if it pushes me, like I'm like, all right, I gotta figure this thing out. You know what I'm saying? Like so, that having that feeling of tiredness and like never running all these years of my life, I've never been that tired. Wrestling, I've never been that tired. Dude, it's different. It's like it's, I can push myself and make myself pretty tired and get kind of exhausted, but it's a different type of exhaustion that happens very fucking fast. Yep. When you're in extreme competition like grappling mm-hmm. or like fighting or even like jujitsu, it happens where your muscles burn out and they get filled with lactic acid really quickly and then you're just done within like minutes. You yep. know what I mean? It's like it's not like – this the slow tiredness that would come yeah. from like I don't know, like walking all day or like going for like a long run or something. It's like this quick like you're done and then right. now you have nothing left right. and then everything's all like filled with blood and blown up and you can't yep. like move your hands and like yeah that's exactly how I felt that fight but I still just took them down was on top of throwing as much as I could yeah you know? yeah and you're just trying to control them so yeah that was my introduction into MMA because. My dad always said everything happens for a reason, and I carried that moniker, you know, so, like, everything happened for a reason. It was meant for me to, like, lose my scholarship, I guess, to find fighting, you know, like, because I'm doing it to this day, and I'm very successful at it, and um, we didn't have the closest relationship, so during that time, I, like, got put out of the house when I was home and stuff, and I had to figure out what I was going to do, and um, I've lived with Ken Porter for a while, and... I was trying to get in, and then this this is the time that he was like, hey, I'm going to take you out to St. Charles MMA on Sundays. Like yeah. They spar and stuff, and you can go with some. They know what they're doing. They know jiu-jitsu. I was like, jiu-jitsu, cool. Like, I need to learn that. Like, I want to learn that some more. So uh, when I popped in, I was training with Josh Augustine, who was like 135 at the time, and Lucas Clay still in high school. Yeah. And those were my two main training partners when I went on Sundays. Mike would put me with them, and – um that was my introduction into like real MMA and I was like man these dudes are legit I remember seeing um Alp Oskalich and Joshua Sempo in the ring with this big guy with all these pads on and they just going at it and I'm like man those dudes are legit like yeah was this was this the Cave Springs gym yeah yeah it was a big uh, one too yeah and it was in a gymnastics gym with a high ceiling and it's just you go in there and it's just a bunch of blood, sweat, tears, and like hard work. Back door open, hot. Yeah. And it's like this is yeah. my speed. Like but, but I love this. That was yeah. a good gym. Yeah. That was a really good gym. Yeah, I love that gym, and um, that was my introduction into like real training. So um, after that bouncing around time, man, and um, I had a lot of things going on at that time. I was like basically homeless for three months. I would like sleep on the. Yeah. Some nights I would like. Stay in the parking garage. Some nights I would stay Shit, on dude. the Metrolink, and some nights I would. My cousin lived in um, off Brentwood. You know where that Walmart is. That's yeah. the one I worked at. My cousin lived in a little cul-de-sac around there. So I would. Some nights I would be able to go there, but some nights I wouldn't. So I would have to figure out what I would do. Dang. It's so like, um, it was rough. It was a rough time, and then like Ken, Ken couldn't come. Always come get me or yeah. You were twenty at this time. Yeah. So it was like it was very rough. Um. And uh, it was like a three and three month period, and um, my mom came from Kansas to St. Louis for that summer, and she lived with me until I figured out what I was gonna do. Yeah. And then I got back on good terms with my parents, and um, emailed the coach at SEMO within two weeks. He was like, "We got this. How much money we have?" And this is what we can offer you. I emailed the coaches at SLU, and they were like, see if you can get financial aid. And I was like, I don't like them. Yeah. So <laughs> I, and that's how I ended up at SEMO because it just felt more home inviting and felt like they wanted me there. And Coach Ryan Lane, he was just like my type of guy. So, like, he uh, he was very inviting. And he was like, if you do what you're supposed to do, we'll give you more money. We'll we'll take care of you. I made all conference and track day. And when, I, when track season rolls around in the steeplechase and they – pay for my books and everything my second year you know so they took care of me you know it was just a long journey and at the same time i'm I'm taking judo yeah um even though i wasn't supposed to i was taking like judo they had a uh intramural judo class on campus so i had this big a3 a4 uh judo gi (laughs) and i would go and I would learn, like I was learning Sudogari, all that stuff, man. I like, I remember vividly, and the instructor loved me, and he was just 
very but they were very traditional and they he I luckily had a good instructor. Yeah. And um Simo Judo Club. It's still <laughs> on Facebook. Um they're a good group of people. But um yeah, man, I tried to keep myself active with fighting while I was still running there. So when I finally came back home two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen, that's when it was. Um it was just like full straight sleep. MMA. Yeah, full like now I can just that. Yeah, I can just and me and um, my lady at the time we just found an apartment. I was like, I don't care what I do as long as I get to MMA practice. I'll figure out working. Yeah, it took me like the summer to find a job, which was rough on her, but she, you know, we took care of each other. Yeah. You know? So like you knew like all that time like you're like those last couple years of school like you knew like you were going into MMA like that was the plan. yeah man I made up my mind I was like man it's it because when you look at track man track it's I just I I love influencers. There's not many influencers in track, but as a distance runner, it takes a lot of years before you become. There's there's a few prodigies, but like the most successful distance runners aren't successful until like years of running. And um, I was I wasn't prepared to do that much running on my body, and like it's a lot of pounding. And I just I was I was very intrigued with what would I have done had I wrestled out of high school. And I was very intrigued with jujitsu, like the mind game. And mm-hmm. I watched Bruce Lee films growing up. I watched all the fight films growing up. I loved Pernell Whitaker. I loved, you know, um, Johnny Pep. I mean, Willie Pep. I loved, like, all the action movies. So, like, I was always fascinated by fighting. I just didn't know how to fight. And then mm. when I learned how to fight, it was like, what's up? You know, like, <laughs> I can be me. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, track i could be me everybody knew who i was in st louis and midwest you know, yeah but like mma i really could be me like i really can like this me like express like, yourself yeah like and in any form possibly and i and and it all is the greatest thing is like it's all dictated on you like, what are you gonna put in just like that feeling i got from distance running just like the feeling i got from wrestling what are you gonna do? Like you gonna put the destiny. work in? Yeah, I'm big on like people's will. Like, like when you came up, I will. I told you I love it, bro. Yeah, like, that shit is legit. You know, like I'm big on like, what are you? Who are you? Your energy, like that's why that became my nickname. Like, who are you? What are you? You know, my favorite. I'm. I love uh, like Greek mythology and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid, I used to read it all the time. Like that story. So. My, one of my favorite stories is Icarus. Yeah. You know, like, people look at him like he defied his father, bro. I'm like, that's what really, like, that's real, like, living. Like, his hubris made him fly that high and, you know, but people don't know the whole story of Icarus, you know what I'm saying? Well, they tell the story, Phil. We only know what, we only know what, like, industrial the industrial mindset left out after the 1700s like it also said don't fly too low or the ocean and the water and the mist will weigh down your wings people only know don't fly too high yeah because so the, the sun will melt the wax so they're teaching right? everyone like to set a limit yeah it's like an industrial mindset you know like what do you mean industrial mindset like you got this whole um it's like just creating workers for like yeah, the, the system. Yeah, like the public schools, that's all public school was created for. Oh, yeah, just just factory workers. Yeah, it's from factory mindset. Like, I mean, that's why and, you set this time and there's this time exactly. and you take but your But public school was literally created from the factory owners and stuff. Shit, yeah, like, it was like, the same was model. Like, exact model. Like, And people, like, they're teaching people to settle and, okay, you'll work this normal job for 50 years. You'll be able to get home, watch TV, and your day yeah. will be over. Yeah, and that's well, and that's why, you like, know, that's why home ownership is pushed so heavily, right? Because if you buy a home, then you're stuck at a place for so long, right? And then if you're stuck at a place for so long, then you're probably going to want to work at that place, which is usually a factory, right. right? So it's just this fucking this whole system that feeds itself. Yeah. yeah. Average. Yep, and then so, like, I'm big on I'd rather fly high and aim too high then be the average normal blows or below what my ceiling is like you know they say what's the worst thing in life wasted talent you know wasted 
creation. Like, when you wake up in the morning, we've been taught, like, people, like, the first thing they do is pick up their phone. Yeah. First thing they do is, like, it's so many influences in the world, right? When you wake up in the morning, that's when you're most creative, man. Like, take a second to just breathe in the air, you know what I'm saying, and breathe in who you are. Yeah. Like, people don't even do that. People wake up and they're influenced by something. They wake up and they're straight to all this shit that we're influenced by and when they don't even take a breath to breathe yeah it's taking 30 minutes in the morning that is when you're uh, you're, you're you most creative like, i think you're in like that yeah. alpha state and it's like people lost that you know like people or they don't understand or they don't know what they're just in this we're definitely in a time of constant stimulation that's for sure Not everywhere yeah, there's always something grabbing for it's your scary. attention. We have these conversations, and it's, it's it's scary. It's only scary if you're not informed, though. Like, we try to be, that's what I was telling her, I was like, um, fear comes from, like, not having enough information or understanding. Yeah. Like, um. Or sometimes it, you just, like, make up shit in your head, too. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it, and it's a lot of it is primitive. Like yeah, so your amygdala is like it creates like y- it gives you reasons. Like it's it's a reason it's there. Like genetically or um, primitively. Like you know what I'm saying that yeah. that that thing is there for a reason. You know it's gonna tell you, but you have to be able to like heed to those things and like. Yeah, I mean, you gotta don't use be your, reactionary. Yeah, you got to use your greater thinking mind, right? I yeah. mean, and like, and like, actually take things into account because, like, there's how many times have you have you been like worried about something and then like you just like face it and you're just like, what the fuck was I worried this, about? That was a shit. Like, what was that? Like, <laughs> why, why was I worried about what? that? Public but speaking. We're one of Huge. the weirdest. Yeah, we're one of the weirdest creatures. Like, we live in this this state of like we we live in the past and like we're constantly in stress and, and like, fear and fear yeah right like, i mean there's that's a, why we have the president we have now well there's a book i think it was called like why don't zebras get ulcers and it was and there's more science about what was it. that about it's basically just talking about how zebras always live in the moment like so and i didn't read the book but like the analogy with the zebras is that so like a zebra gets chased by a lion like in that moment they're in fight or flight if they're if they're getting chased by like a lion or something mm-hmm. right but if they survive then they immediately return back to baseline and now they're just living their life they're not living in stress and fear of that lion that was just there right because Mm -hmm. they're not in that state anymore so i mean that's just kind of stemming off the idea that like stress causes ulcers which we found out isn't really the case but it's just the idea of like living in the present always and not living in the past because like when you're living in the past like you're suffering Mm. yeah yeah that's, I mean, <laughs> you can't control the past, man. No. You, you, you know, and it puts you in a state of constant, like, reaction. Yeah. It really you're, does. You're, you're you're never, you're reacting to everything. You're not, you're not, you're not in control of anything. You're yeah. reacting to everything. And, and, and when people understand that, like, they'll start understanding, uh, maybe I need to have the mindset to create be ahead of the plan and understand it enough to where i'm creating rather than i'm reacting to everything around me stimulus like we say energy around us yeah man you, you just got to live intentionally indeed yeah right indeed. on well brother let's wrap this up dude we're right at an hour um i'm gonna leave the floor to you if there is any um any sponsors you want to plug anything coming up um obviously like spit your socials out so people can get a hold of you i will uh, also tag those okay um my uh instagram is charles johnson mma 125 and my Facebook just Charles Johnson, Twitter Energy MMA. Do you do I Twitter? N N E R G. I'm trying to do better because literally that's the place where you make the most business like relationships, and I'm big on trying to network. So yeah, um, Twitter is huge. Like it's very underutilized. Like you can speak to anyone in the world on Twitter. Yeah, almost. A lot of people like it. Yeah, and it's it, if you're a business, you you definitely have to learn how to utilize. Twitter. I would argue more businesses are actually on Instagram. Yeah, but um, sure. as far as like networking and um, Twitter, is just like 
contact. Yeah. It's it's very underutilized. A lot of people like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, those are those and uh just shout out to St. Charles MMA, you know. And um man, we got a big year, a lot of big names, a lot of a lot of young talent there, so I'm excited for the future for that gym. Yeah, what's next for you? I know you just had a boxing match. Um, you didn't take any more of those? Uh, yeah, I've been working with uh, my old coach who initially taught me how to box during that time that I was home when I started training with KP. He taught me for about three months before I went to school. and uh, So he's he's trying to get me back in line with boxing. He's always told me, like, dude, you're a natural. He was like, you're going to be a champion at this. You're like, this is what you should be doing. He just... He feels that I will be more successful in boxing than MMA. Um, we'll see. Yeah. You know, but I've just been trying to give myself a chance at yeah. everything, and I'm just working. So I will tell. If I can get a get a fight, I'm gonna try to get a fight. You know, most likely, but really just work, focus on the craft right now. Yeah. So creating and understanding. That's it right now. So. I can dig it. I yes, can dig sir. It. Yes, sir. Shout out to I Will. <laughs> Shout out to uh, my boy Adam Meredith. Shout out to Travis Perry, Powerful Blessed Champions. His brand there uh, sponsored me now. Um, they're a really good group of young men trying to make a difference. Um, yeah. And um, Energy MMA, baby. Right on. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. All right. All right, everybody. Till next time. All right, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you are getting value out of the podcast, please leave a rating and review, especially on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating and review. And then don't forget, go check out my buddy Justin Bricker's podcast, The Why Not Podcast. You can check that out on all platforms as well. Have a great day, everybody.